You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hey guys, welcome to ISO, the Buns Podcast. So, this week, before this week in Buns, we have an interview. I know it's been a minute since I've done one of those, but uh, here we go. Today, I have for you the owners and operators of an amazing shop in the east end of Toronto called Surf the Greats. Why is it called that, you ask? Well... Their shop is dedicated for a retail and meeting space for people who like to surf in the Great Lakes. Well, I mean, I think people who like to surf in general, but because we're in Toronto, the only place to go is really the Great Lakes. And it is a true surf shop. Take it from someone who used to frequent surf shops in California and Hawaii. This is the real deal. And the best part, they take bits. So I hope you guys have been doing your surveys. Here is my interview with Surf the Greats, followed by This Week in Buns. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah so. Let's do this. Okay. Hey, Buns. Welcome to ISO, the Buns podcast. I am here in Surf the Greats. Uh, I'm, you know what? Actually, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself. There's a lot of you, and I want people to be able to recognize uh, your individual voices. So why don't you, uh, why don't you lead us off? Yep. So uh, my name is Antonio, and I am the co-founder and uh, CEO of Surf the Greats. Uh, my name is Lucas. I am uh, co-owner and uh, the CFO of Surf the Greats. Uh, my name is Haynes, and I am the in-house shaper and repairman here at Surf the Greats. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, Surf the Greats is a... Tr- you know, actually, we'll get into that in a second, uh, because I want to get into the whole surfing thing, and to have a surf shop in Toronto is, like, crazy to begin with. But before we even get there, why don't you just... We'll go around one at a time. I'm not used to having so many guests on this show. We'll go around uh, one at a time, and just give me a little bit of background, how you got into the whole surfing thing and what brought you to the surf shop to begin with cool so i guess for me i grew up in southern brazil uh grew up by the beach uh surfing my whole life uh moved to north america when i was 20 uh ended up in california and um surfed a lot there and that's where i ended up meeting lucas and He's basically the reason why I ended up in Canada. So you guys thought, you know what? I like surfing in Brazil. I like surfing in California. Why not open up in Toronto? <laughs> exactly. Kind of like that. No, it was, uh, it was a little bit, you that know. surfing it, hotspot, Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Chio Surf City, as we say. Um, it was a little bit different. So I moved here. went to school first mm-hmm. uh, to OCAD, studied graphic design. And then for the first few years, I didn't know I could surf here. And it really, it was hard for me. Like, you know, Canadian winters, I picked up snowboarding and tried to get away as much as I could. 
Does it translate the snowboarding? Yeah, a little bit. It was hard to learn, but uh, yeah. you know, once I did, it was it was actually fun. And how did you discover Canadian, or I should say, Torontonian surfing? Uh, well, I was actually in the Bahamas of all places uh, in a family trip. So Lucas's mom's from the Bahamas, okay. And everywhere we went, I would always find a wave to ride. Right. And I found a wave in one of the outer islands there, and I rented a board, got out there. And there was this one guy riding the wave, so we shared that wave for a little bit. And then I finally, you know, asked him where he was from. He's like, "Oh, I'm from Toronto." I'm like, "No way, I, I live there." He's like, "Oh, do you surf the lakes?" I'm like, what do you mean, like wake surf? He's like, no, like, do you, do you surf on the lakes? I'm like, no, like, there's no waves there. He's like, yeah, there's waves there. Oh yeah, like, yeah. So that's that's kind of like how it started. And then I started researching, and um, you know, I've been surfing on the lakes now for about five years, and my whole life just changed radically as wow. I started surfing here. And then you decided you want you needed to open a a shop. Uh, I was it took a little bit more more steps to that. Yeah. Uh, Basically, like in the beginning, we were getting out there and surfing and we started meeting other, other people in the community. There wasn't a whole lot of information out there. Um, right. Not a lot of tools for people to get out there and do it. The community was starting to grow. Yeah. Uh, but we just didn't see a lot of resources out there. And uh, I saw people putting themselves in tough situations. And uh, we just started, like social media was starting to to kick off. Like Facebook was going for a few years, but it was right in the beginning of Instagram and we were all on Instagram. And uh, we started posting pictures of us surfing. And uh, it was actually Lucas who, who said, oh, we should come up with a hashtag to unify all these photos. Right. And uh, he was the one who came up. How, how about surf the grades? Oh, perfect. Uh, so it kind of like started that way. Uh, so we started doing, you know, like uh, some events to get the community together out of the water. And then uh, from seeing people wanting to get out there and not having access to information, uh, I actually went down to Costa Rica and did all my training with the International so Surfing Association and came back with the goal to start teaching people here. So that's kind of like started with a surf school, like an online shop and slowly grew into what we have now here, you know, the space that we're we're recording this podcasting today. Amazing. I'm going to ask some questions about surfing in just a bit, but I want to hear uh, your backgrounds as well. Sure. Uh, well, you've heard a little bit about me through Antonio. Um, so we, we met kind of talking about surfing actually in California, and um, I may or may not have kind of misrepresented how well I could surf um, in the hopes that um, he would think I was cool. Um, I feel like that's how it always goes. Right? <laughs> that's... Uh, <laughs> the oldest story ever told. Um, so yeah, we kind of started our conversations, you know, 11 years ago, we were around surfing and then surfing was a theme that, um, that, you know, kind of strung through all of our, our travels. Um, and so when the opportunity came to be surfing back here in Toronto and recognizing that this was uh, a really, there was an established uh, community of surfers, but, uh, but not that, um, uh, not not a place for community whether it was virtual whether it was right they um, weren't unified in any way yeah and um and there was a, there was an appetite for that and i think we we were able to see that and and um really you know we weren't trying to do anything other than um kind of have other people to hang out with that were like-minded and yeah. so uh whether that was through people you know kind of sharing posts on on instagram whether it was through a little pop-up in you know one of the bars on dundas west 
um, uh, coming up with some t-shirts or other things like that. It was just a, a, a bit of a, you know, kind of thought experiment that just kind of kept going. That's interesting because I talk to a lot of people who aren't from the city and uh, some people have the idea that Toronto is not a friendly city, but I always tell them if you find your thing, you'll find your people. Mm -hmm. And I think that like this is a perfect example of that because clearly there are people who want to surf and will surf in the lakes and, you know, they just need to be able to find a place to meet people. And clearly you guys have built that. But let's hear a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I've been surfing for about uh, six years now. Uh, the first kind of four years um, that I started surfing, uh, it wasn't very regular. It was always kind of on vacation. I grew up in Kingston, so three right. hours east of here. Um, not the most ideal place to uh, have a surf uh, surfing life uh, kind no. of the goal. So um, never really got to you know kind of commit to it. Um, and then kind of getting towards the end of my high school career, um, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I decided actually to um, to travel in, in around Australia and New Zealand, just surfing and kind of really trying to commit to uh, just kind of a year of really enjoying that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Cause I was always so curious and so uh, interested in what that was like. Um, and yeah, it was incredible, you know, definitely kind of one of those change your life sort of trips without realizing it. Um, and when I was there, you know, traveling around backpacking, you, you don't typically have very much money. Right. Um, and so whenever I'd, you know, ding a board or break part of my board, um, I had to learn to fix it on my own because, you know, charging someone to uh, uh, to fix it over there just wasn't really an option for me at the time. And uh, so that was kind of how I got introduced uh, to like the resins and stuff like that. Uh, and then I came back here, um, you know, kind of the same way Antonio, like uh, when he moved here, missed uh, surfing and that whole culture. And um, I mean, in Kingston, it's even smaller than Toronto. So. Um, I actually found Surf the Great's Instagram page, which is what made me <laughs> kind of believe it. Um, and I still remember actually getting a message from the Surf the Great's Instagram page saying, hey, we see that you're from Ontario and, yeah. and you surf like, you know, you should you should come meet us or something. Um, and I remember kind of seeing that and being like, oh, like, what is this? Like, right, right. you know, and not, you know, now, of course, I have a whole other view of that. But, um, yeah, I was very taken back and it did take that first time kind of committing to drive out to a surf spot yeah. uh, and actually seeing the waves and feeling the power before I was I was fully convinced. Um, and, yeah, once I moved here and kind of realized surfing was possible, um, I just kind of took that passion for uh, surfing and board design and saw a bit of a niche market here. Um, and kind of thought like, hey, let, let's give this a go while I can. I'm still quite young and school's not going anywhere. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of what, what got me shaping here. Nice. So let's ask some general questions about, about surfing and then, and then we'll get into the store. Uh, I've done some surfing in my life. Again, I'm going to misrepresent myself by being better than I am. But I've spent a lot of time in Hawaii. So, you know, almost by necessity, you're, you're out there at least a couple times. But how is surfing in the ocean different than surfing in the lakes? Because obviously, as the name implies, this is about surfing in the Great Lakes. Uh, were there any skills that you had to learn or, I don't know, adjust as far as surfing in a lake as opposed to surfing in the ocean? Yeah, so when it comes down to like the actual uh, surfing, it's pretty much the same. Uh, there are some differences. So basically, in the ocean, we ride waves that originated in the other side of the globe. Whereas here on the lakes, we're riding the waves that started just on the other side of the lake. So sometimes the waves we catch in Toronto started in Prince Edward County, and right. sometimes they started in Hamilton, just on the street here. So we're basically riding the eye of the storm. 
which makes for very challenging and kind of like rough conditions a lot of the times. Right. So I guess it takes a little bit more commitment here because you do have like messy conditions a lot. Um, now, I'm going to guess that the best time of year isn't necessarily the summer. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. So in the summer months, the lakes tend to go pretty flat. Right. Um, so our surf season starts in the fall as the air and the water start to cool down. Mm -hmm. And with uh, hurricane season and all the storms uh, moving through North America, uh, that brings strong winds and that's what generate the wave. So it, we're usually out there when people choose to stay inside drinking hot chocolate and reading a book. Right. So you're not just wearing board shorts and rash guards here. No, that's another difference. So, you know, like fall, we can still get away with just a thin wetsuit, but um, our best, best season in Toronto is through the winter. Whoa. So when the, f the snowstorms come, um, and that's usually when the waves get really good here, and it takes very little wind for us to get waves. Okay. Yeah. But that also means thick wetsuits, thick booties, thick mittens bezeling on your face uh wow, you know, okay icicles hanging off your beard as you're leaving the water so you just got to be super passionate about it really yeah you definitely have to be committed and uh it, it sounds a little bit crazy in the beginning and yeah. uh, i think it still is crazy but uh once you get used to it it's it's pretty amazing man it's like a very very unique experience that you can have in canada that is pretty amazing i mean so this surf shop that we're in wouldn't be out of place in somewhere like say we've mentioned hawaii california and we're not just talking about like i said before board shorts or or long boards or anything i mean you do have all the wetsuits all the boards all, all the everything here at what point did you guys realize like oh we need to like we need to build a spot what was the like tipping point for you because I imagine at one point, like you said, it was on Instagram. You were getting messages on Instagram. You couldn't have messaged all of your clients individually. At some point, you had to realize like this was bigger than, than you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think um, so. We had like the surf school online and that was going really well. A lot of people wanted lessons. Uh, so we started getting more gear so that we could get them out there. And then it just started progressing that way. Like people would take a lesson. They're like, okay, I want to get into it. And uh you know, needed gear, and I ended up, uh, you know, working out a deal with uh, Rip Curl and a couple other brands, and they allowed me to start selling gear from my house. So right. my my uh, second bedroom uh, slash office became a warehouse and surf <laughs> shop for a little bit, um, and then, but they knew that you know. I was hoping to at some point have some sort of uh, brick and mortar. It was right. either going to be like a, a surf club with a little bit of, you know, gear. Um, and then there was like only like two other shops in town. And one of them, like he's a good friend of ours. He's been building this community for a while. And he didn't quite want to to take this on. And right. He wanted to keep building the community and everything. And just got to a conversation. I'm like, hey, listen, you have to s open a surf shop. He's like, no, you have to open a surf shop. He's like, right. no, you have to open. I was like, fine, I'll open a surf shop then. And, uh, you know, three years later, uh, here we are. So Really nice. And, and I, I noticed that there's also uh, a little cafe here. Uh, is that so that people can warm themselves up after they're done freezing themselves in the uh, in the lakes there, or what? Um, yeah, I mean that uh, that's one thing uh, that it's there for. I mean, I think it's uh, we wanted to create a space that people could uh, come to either before or after surfing, like you mentioned, uh, a place they could come to when the lakes were flat 
um, to create a space that that community could gather that you know that 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 space that we thought was was missing. Um, we also you know we thought a little bit about running a business and we thought well maybe just selling surfboards and wetsuits isn't going to be a, a sustainable model. So what are what are some other aspects of that that we can um, uh, that we can do um, that'll allow us to run through the run through the year right. um, and uh, offer something for everyone? You know, not everybody's ready to walk in here and say, "Okay, I'm here to buy a board," or "I'm here to uh, I want to get totally decked out," but they might just want to be around it for a little bit. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm. I mean, I come at from a uh, as a surf photographer um, from a little bit of a. Um, uh, whether it's kind of voyeuristic or, or uh, observation, there's a lot of people who like being around surf uh, who don't necessarily um, aren't the greatest surfers themselves. And uh, we wanted to be able to provide a, provide a space for those people who who uh, that that vibe resonated with them, even yeah. if it wasn't their their primary sport. And I'm sure it helps with the whole community thing. I mean, it's kind of a, a good meeting place. Always has a little bit to eat and a little bit to drink. So. Uh, it's probably good. I, and you also mentioned uh, to me off mic uh, when I first came in here that you guys do yoga in here as well. Is that? Yeah. So I am a certified yoga teacher. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I also did some training, like a, more like a primitive animal movement uh, styles. So one of them is Ginástica Natural, which was started in Brazil. Uh, and it's all about conditioning for jiu-jitsu fighters and surfers. And, uh, Jiu-Jitsu fighters and surfers. Is there a lot of p- parallel there? Yeah, yeah, there is a lot. Of, well, I guess like in Brazil, like a lot of people who live by the beach are surfers. Right. And Jiu-Jitsu. And know, they get into a lot of fights. <laughs> 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 well, they used to. Not not as much <laughs> these days. Uh, but Jiu-Jitsu is huge in Brazil. Right. Uh, and just like that, that primitive movement style mm-hmm. is very suitable for workouts on the beach and in places where you don't eat much you right. just need your your body um so those are the things that we've been incorporating here so the whole shop is like very modular and flexible so you know we're f- it's very easy for us to pull up all the the racks and move everything around and turn into a big open space for events for film screenings but also for movement classes and especially like during the um, the winter months when some people stop surfing like yeah. the, the harsher months we do a lot of conditioning classes indoors so you know that includes yoga and mindfulness and some of these other classes that i teach as well right you got to keep it up even while you're not doing it so that you're ready for the next season Okay, well, uh, you mentioned that some people come in here and, you know, they're not always ready to take the plunge and they just kind of want to be around it before they get into it. But if somebody was ready, if I were to walk in here today and say, you know what, I want to surf in the lake, what, what, how would you, how would I go about it? What would you outfit me with? Like, how would I start? Assuming I know nothing about surfing whatsoever. Yeah, so the first thing we would do is uh, we would get you uh, signed up on our uh, our mailing list for our surf lessons because we can't say, oh, we're going to be surfing, uh, you know, these five days, uh, two weeks from now or three weeks from now. We're going to be looking at the conditions and, right. and keeping an eye on them and then calling uh, much like a surf competition might do. We're going to yeah. call when the class is going to be and where the class is going to be. And so we'll send out that call to everybody and, and people will check their phones and say, yeah, it looks like I can... Uh, free myself up or looks like I'm sick that day or something like that. Uh, Whatever excuse they can come up with. And then they come along uh, for a surf lesson and we outfit them in whatever gear is 
uh, required for one for their level and two for the season. So if it's you know in the in the late summer or fall, we've got them in a fairly thin wetsuit. Um, but now getting into this time of year, we've got them in full uh, hooded wetsuits and and booties and gloves. Uh, and then we take them and and, and run them through a, a full lesson, and um, that teaches them not only about how to stand up on the board, but how to interact with other people at the surf break, how to be safe, how to uh, have a you know have a plan in terms of who they're surfing with, and and getting um, getting out of the water safely. All of our instructors are um, ISA uh, uh, certified, so they they're the kind of the highest level of certification for our instructors. So we're ensuring that they're getting the, the content from the experts. Uh, and then preparing people to be able to get out there on their own and, um, and have that, that surf know-how and that etiquette to, um, to, to be able to interact with people when they're out in the, uh, in the lineup with, uh, with more experienced surfers. Right. Etiquette is very important. Uh, as you learned that in Hawaii, didn't oh, you? Oh, you, you learn it the hard way, for sure. I mean, luckily, I'm, I'm half Japanese, so I kind of look local. They, <laughs> I get a little bit of a pass, but uh, yeah, I definitely can, you can learn that the hard way. But So you guys have stuff for rent if, uh, if somebody's looking to, to get into it, but they're not really sure. Yeah. So phase two, you know, after you've, uh, after you've done a class or if you've come in with some experiences, we can, we can outfit you uh, for the day once again with what's appropriate for the, the break that you are or your experience level uh, and the gear that's appropriate for the conditions. Uh, Cause you know, we either, we know them or we've been in them, uh, we, you know, within the last 72 hours. Right. So. And uh, if somebody were to uh, ding their board, given that the conditions are, uh, you know, sometimes unruly. Tell me a little bit about shaping because I don't really know. I, obviously, there's craftsmanship that goes into these things. They're not just pieces of wood. Um, but tell me a little bit more about, you know, what it is that you do. And, and yeah, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> well, a five-year-old, that'll be a little tough. But, um, okay, yeah, six. So <laughs> okay, yeah, six is a little better. <laughs> um, yeah, shaping is uh, it's a super unique, uh, I consider it an art form for sure. Um, you know, when, when you consider shaping, there's so many different aspects that kind of go into a specific surfboard. Um, you know, being here on the lake, it's it's really great because it's given me an opportunity to uh, be creative in, you know, a type of art that's kind of really been mastered over the last, you know, since well, since 1960 when everything started, you know, it, it's, it's tough to kind of change the way surfboards are looked at. Um, and being in the lakes here, you know, there are subtle differences that kind of go into shapes, um, you know, whether it's uh, and like the way that the rails are formed or the rocker of the surfboard and, you know, all these different attributes, uh, it really allows me to be creative. And, and you know, anyone who's kind of surfing on the lake um, who's been doing it for a little while knows the benefits of having a surfboard created specifically for these conditions. Um, so, yeah, it's super neat kind of being here and being with a community of surfers from, you know, all around the world. You know, we have so many people. Toronto's so diverse. Um, you know, we have a bunch of people coming through here from South Africa. They're from Hawaii. They're from Brazil, you know. Um, so you really do get such a unique, um, I guess, perspective on different types of designs and boards from all those different countries that all kind of collaborate together uh, here and all that knowledge um, kind of goes towards what we kind of create uh, in the space here. But being somebody who shapes boards for a lake, you must be in a even smaller community than somebody who, <laughs> you know, just a regular surf shaper yeah. because there can't be that many. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I imagine it, it's a pretty small tight-knit group do you guys all like is there like an online forum where you guys all talk to each other and and sort of discuss new techniques or how, how is it that you learn to like hone the the lake part of it uh so the lake part of it uh to be perfectly honest for me was a lot of trial and error um so with shaping itself uh i was 
um, lucky enough to get to work with a couple uh, very well-established uh, manufacturers in the industry. Um, and so they taught me a lot about how to create spe uh, specific attributes for conditions. So not necessarily, uh, not necessarily lakes, but you know, they would say this is a great um, Hawaii board versus this is a great uh, you know, California board. And so even though um, neither of those conditions kind of mimic the lakes, you get to learn um, you know, what subtle changes will make a board work. Uh, so, I mean, you, you know, I never really learned specific um, attributes for the lakes, but you do learn kind of how to differentiate the two um, types of breaks or waves kind of thing. So, and is it something that you're constantly like tinkering? Are you still trying to like figure out the perfect sort of lake board or? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think perfect is a very relative term right. to uh, the level of surfer. So, sure. Um, you know, someone out here who's beginning, uh, you know, an eight foot, nine foot foam board is, is absolutely perfect and nothing could be better. <laughs> right. Um, so I think as people progress, there is always, you know, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm still quite new in the industry here. Um, you know, I've definitely committed quite a lot of time, uh, which has left me with enough experience that I'm able to kind of commit to something like this. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always fun coming up with new shapes and having different people come in. You know, I, I do custom boards here, so someone might bring in a shape that I've never seen before. Right. Uh, and they, you know, they say, all right, make me this. And it's like, all right, you know, time time to go back to the drawing board. So, um, yeah, creativity and, and all that stuff definitely comes down to it. So how long does something like that typically, t typically take? Um, you know, it's really tough to say because uh, being in Canada here with with our different uh, temperature changes and stuff like that, it actually does affect the way that resins and fiberglass will bond together. So, um, you know, somewhere uh, super consistent like Hawaii, you know, I might be able to tell you it's going to take me four days to make this board. But right. here, um, you know, especially this last couple of weeks that we've had, you know, we've ranged from seven degrees to like 23 degrees the next day. Uh, and that will heavily change um, the way resins work. Um, but you know, for shaping a board, if it's a board that I'm comfortable with, I can do it within a day. Um, and then that resin and, and the glassing part of the surfboard, that's what takes a while. Cause you have to let things dry and properly kick. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you run into issues down the road. So, uh, usually, you know, I, I give people around a three week, uh, right. guest time just, um, because, you know, I don't want to, uh, commit to a time that I'm not able to, to give. And, you know, it's always nice having a little bit of wiggle room if there are any, uh, things that go wrong and have time to, uh, you know, fix and stuff like that. Right on. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the store. Cause I know you guys used to be upstairs and you moved downstairs. Has that helped a lot? You gotten a lot of walking traffic. I mean, I imagine being a cafe, there's probably a lot of people who just don't even know this is a surf place and they're just like, Oh, you have coffee. Yeah. I mean, up, uh, being upstairs uh, for the first year, I think was a really, uh, was a really helpful move for us. It really allowed us to uh, to work out the kinks, to uh, to figure out what it takes to be uh, a brick and mortar store versus an online store. Right. Uh, we were very lucky because we had an incredibly loyal uh, community um, uh, that uh, had grown along with us uh, in the years leading up. So it's not like we were trying to, you know, to hang up a shingle outside and say, "Hey, come into our surf shop." Uh, we were really just providing a physical space to an entity that already uh, already existed. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I imagine that anyone who's who's coming here is, or, I mean, maybe not now, but anyone who's coming here before is probably really passionate about surfing, and there's probably nowhere else for them to go, really. Yeah, we we were trying to provide an answer to a question um, that they may not have even known they were asking, right. but um, but you're right. It was not a uh, it wasn't a kind of place that you that you stumbled across. But that was good for us because uh, we it, 
we needed to figure out what we were doing and so mm -hmm. to have a whole bunch of foot traffic of people asking questions that we weren't ready to to have a solution for um i think would have been uh, would have been I don't want to say, you know, prohibitive, but it would have been pretty overwhelming. Sure, um, and it could have pulled you in a different direction. Yeah, so it was a good kind of pilot. It was a good, uh, not a dress rehearsal, but uh, a lot of growing happened there. Training wheels. Yeah, 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 yeah for exactly. sure. Um, but we certainly, uh, you know, we moved into the new space, um, I guess, beginning of August, and this was a move that we had been kind of thinking about, but as these things happen, it's uh, an opportunity became available probably well before we were ready to take the next step. But you, you know, when you're, when you're kind of carrying this, this, um, this dream forward, you, you take these leaps at, at various junctions, whether it's, you know, Haynes moving here from, uh, from Kingston, whether it's, uh, um, you know, me working at the hospital in the morning and then coming here and uh, being here in the afternoon, sure. or it's moving into a space like this. Um, uh, and it's been a fantastic uh, rejuvenation for us. It's, uh, it's been uh, a place where we all look forward to, to being. Um, sometimes we have to ask ourselves the question, like, are you on the schedule today? Like, are you, are we, are we paying you to be here today? Or are you just hanging out? And right. I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way. It's just it's just a fun place to hang out, and I think people when they come in feel that. And and uh, we've been lucky enough to be so nicely situated here in Leslieville, which is such an amazing uh, neighborhood. You know, you talk about uh, it's finding your group or finding your tribe, and uh, Leslieville is definitely its own uh, really special neighborhood in Toronto. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun for us to, I think, feel a, a much bigger part of that community. Yeah. Uh, whereas before we were kind of trying to invite people into our space. Here it's uh, people being able to kind of say, "Hey, wow, this is now part of my routine." You know, I, I've driven. A woman was in here today and said, "I've driven by this like six or seven times, and I've been meaning to come in." So today I just pulled over, parked the car, and came in. And and she lives out in the beach and has lived there for you know a number of years. And and we just love that. That's an option now. Whereas yeah. when we were tucked away, that those kind of exchanges didn't happen. And hopefully you get some new people into some lake surfing. So how did you guys uh, find Buns? Because I know that our CEO is a big surfer. I don't know if it, it was his doing or what the situation was, but how did you guys come together? I think it was a mix of him and Ayaz. Um, so we, we've done multiple events at the shop, even at the previous space. Yeah. So once a month we do something creative to bring the community together, from art exhibitions to film premieres to workshops and like uh, cold water safety workshops and things like along those lines. But um, we had a, one of the artists that we had last year was friends with Fayez. Oh and yeah. he came and played a live set oh, at the shop. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of how he got introduced to us. And then I remember, I think he got a wetsuit from us and he started surfing with us. Um, and since then, I think it was about a year ago, he just uh, messaged me on Instagram and, and mentioned about, uh, like we've, we've been following Buns and uh, yeah. and he just, uh, he's like, I think you guys will be perfect for, a, you know, a, a Buns safe trade zone or a safe trade space. Right. And we're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like, you know, like it, we're already like a bit of a community space to yeah. be, to be called a safe space for something for a community. Like we're totally down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we started as, as, you know, playing that role and we actually started getting quite a few people like walking through the, the hallway, trying to find us there to, right. to trade their goods. Yeah. Uh, and it was 
great for us. It was great for them. Like we started getting like you know people who would never know about us or lake surfing into the space, right? Having a coffee and you know trading their their goods. And then um, when you guys were ready to launch your bits program, mm -hmm. uh, Ayaz reached out to us again and kind of like gave me a very brief uh, pitch. And uh, I don't know, we're we're still very new to to all of this idea, but uh, you know. We've been, we have friends who work kind of like in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And as soon as we saw that, we we're like, well, it's cutting edge, it's community, let's yeah. give it a try. And how's it been going? It's been amazing, man. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's worked been, out a lot. Yeah, it's been really, really nice. Like since since the first month, like we've gotten, uh, we've got so much more food traffic from uh, bun, from the Buns community oh, right on. because they knew that, you know, we were a place where they could uh, use their bits at. Yeah. Uh, and people still coming here from time to time to trade their their goods. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely being like an amazing source of revenue and a source of uh, just getting people through the door, like seeing who we are and what we do. And yeah, every now and then we got someone who buy a stand up pedal board using bits, and we're like, that's pretty amazing. Right on. Well, you hear that, Buns? If uh, you got some bits to spare, head down to Dundas and Carla and. Uh, you know try some leg surfing or or if that's not your thing i mean there's still some great stuff that you can get with your bits like i these pants that i'm wearing in fact from the store uh so you know if you just want to be fashionable you can come here and spend your bits all right so what kind of stuff do you guys have coming up what kind of uh, activities events do you have planned in the future or or what's the general future for surf the greats oh now uh, right now we are at a point where we're finally getting our operations under control we're finally getting our surf school up and running the way we want it to be running mm -hmm. um we have our trips planned for the winter months when things slow down uh but basically right now we're just like really trying to establish ourselves here as you know like the great lake surf company or if not even like canada surf company uh to really you know create and nurture this community not only in toronto but there are communities like ours in ottawa in montreal in calgary people who surf standing waves on the rivers who right. use very similar boards and they use very similar wetsuits and really like working with uh or partners like uh rip curl and vans uh sbc surf to really put gray lake surfing the global surfing map um, so basically, it's just like keeping our heads down and working hard and, you know, continuing creating this inclusive, welcoming space that everyone, you know, can be a part of regardless right. or not if they're surfers. And um, I guess in terms of like, you know, something, some things that are coming down the pipe. Uh, once a year, we do this big fundraiser with uh, Jack.org, which is an organization for youth mental health. Uh, so we have that coming up on December 1st. Last year we did here in Toronto. It's basically, it's called Brain Freeze and it's um, it's a polar bear dip, uh, a very cool one. Okay. <laughs> um, so we did it here last year and we had about 80 people joining us for the first year. We raised almost 20 grand. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was pretty successful and it's a, a cause that affects so many of us especially during the winter months yeah uh and this this organization is doing amazing things for for communities in canada it's like a peer-based uh organization so they they empower youth 
to be mentors within their communities. Mm -hmm. um, so this year we're bridging the gap and we're bringing the whole country together. So we're doing Brain Freeze Montreal, Vancouver and Canada in uh, Toronto yeah. on the same day. Uh, so that's kind of like the biggest thing that we're, we're Polar working bear towards. Dip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Makes the ice bucket challenge look simple. <laughs> All right. Well, um, a few more questions and then I'll let you guys go. Uh, outside of the Great Lakes, obviously, what is your favorite place to surf that you or that you have surfed, I guess? Ooh. You uh, guys sound well-traveled, so I feel like you know some, some real hot spots. I mean... I'm kind of torn between two spots. Uh, I'm going to say Barbados is a pretty amazing place to go surfing. Okay. Um, whenever you can surf anywhere in the Caribbean, there's not a lot of places that you can surf, but mm -hmm. I think that's what we, maybe that's one of the things we like about it is that it's, uh, it's not as well known. Um, the water's definitely a bit warmer, uh, than it is here. Um, and the people are just fantastic. Uh, and it's a pretty small Island, so you can, it's always surf coming from somewhere. Um, uh, New Zealand's pretty amazing too. New Zealand, um, yeah. I would say those are two of the fi my favorite places that we've had a chance to go to. Uh, I'm looking at it from a photographer standpoint. They're, those are two countries that are pretty hard to take a bad picture in. Right. Uh, incredible people. Um, and uh, if you just have a, um, you know, you have your your phone looking at kind of Google Maps and you have some sense as to where the swell's coming from, you're going to find waves. Uh, and there may not be anybody else out there. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty fantastic. That sounds ideal. Um, yeah, I'm also torn <laughs> between uh, a few. Um, I'd say New Zealand is actually one of my favorite um, waves as well. Uh, I got to surf Kaikoura um, right after they had one of their earthquakes, which was uh, quite devastating for that town. And we were let in um, kind of within the first two days that they were allowing people to come back. Um, and there was a really big swell coming through that day and i mean it was it was one of those kind of surfs where you know you knew what had happened and you knew why these waves were here you know the waves were after uh, aftershock from the earthquake right. um and you know it was kind of you know in such destruction and driving through the city and then you get to the coast and here were these perfect beautiful waves coming through i mean it was kind of a very unique kind of yin yang feel uh, being out in the water with these perfect waves but then looking back at shore and seeing you know the the other side of, of that equation yeah um so those waves are perfect but then also it was a very kind of uh insightful surf um and then the other one was uh snapper rocks in australia um and that was just uh, i was there during the competition um when i was traveling around there and it was uh just a very you know it's a very well-known wave so it wasn't uh you know it wasn't very secret but um <laughs> it was just you know there's a reason it's well known it's a beautiful wave and super fun yeah right on I think for me, I mean, there there are a few. There is my home break in Brazil, where, where I grew up surfing like as a kid, and every time I go there, like it's it's always amazing. Uh, Chicama in Peru, that's like it's one of the longest uh, left point breaks in the world, and we go there. We run a surf camp there every year in March. Oh wow! And that's that wave is just spectacular. It's like it doesn't matter if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced surfer. Like the wave goes on for like two, three kilometers sometimes. Wow. And it's just perfection. But um, I guess like where my heart is these days is Nova Scotia. 
Really? Yeah, that's like uh, I've only been there surfing once. We were there for two weeks, like in a camper van, and yeah. we chased a couple of swells there. And uh, those were some of the best waves I've seen in my life. And Nova it's Scotia. just like point break after point break after point break, and most of them are empty. And the community there is still very Canadian, very, very down to earth pretty welcoming and uh, I just I can see myself ending up there not that uh, far from now I think <laughs> I mean a few years I think like you know if I can get a little house by the beach in Nova Scotia that sounds right. like a like dream dreamland little satellite office maybe yeah all right so if people want to learn more about what you guys are doing about lake surfing about any of that stuff in general where should they go Give us the website, give us the Instagram, give us yeah. everything. So um, you can check us out online at surfthegreats.org. Uh, we're pretty much on all major social media channels uh, at surfthegreats. Okay. And seriously, like if you're in the East End, if you're ever in Leslieville, just pop by the shop for a coffee. Like if I'm usually here, if not, Lucas is here, Haynes always here, and everyone who works with us, like we're all super welcoming. And, you know, you can come and ask any questions and we have a lot of, uh, you know, patience and time to educate and to give information. So, yeah, pop by the shop. That's that's actually the easiest way to, to figure it all out. Definitely do that. And I can attest to that, too, because uh, you'd think that Buns would have set this up for me, but they didn't. I just walked in here and you guys were like, hey, what's going on? And that's uh, that's how this happened. So, guys, get your bits together. You know, get on those daily drops, save them up, and come here and uh, take some surf lessons. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Bonds. Okay, thanks. Bye. What great guys. Anyway, like I said, here's this week in Buns. This is the time we tell you to uh, maybe not have your kids in the uh, in the car or listening to this unless of course you're a renegade parent and you're like you know what my kids can listen to some swears they can listen to a few shits here and a few fucks there yeah yeah so this is your official warning i wish you had done that earlier but yeah um yeah we use Eat. coarse language so deal with it deal with that <laughs> on today's episode I tell you all about Crantum, or Crantum, haven't, I don't know enough about it. Sounds poisonous. Yeah, what to do when you have a broken foot air cast. Mm-hmm. And the haunted pew. The haunted pew. Uh, just so we enunciate more, it's pew. As pew. In, uh, pew, pew. As in pew, 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 pew. what people sit in, in, uh, in churches. Praise be. Praise be to Allah. Allah. Or Jesus or God. Whoever you pray Whoever. to, listen. We ain't, we ain't shaming nobody. Mm-mm. This is ISO, the Buns Podcast. I am Aura. Whoa. And I'm Lauren. Oh. Whoa. Mine turned into a real name. It's pretty, pretty good. I'm Yours orange. sounds like a <laughs> bushy club or something. Thank you. Welcome to Aura. Aura. You can only come in here if you're wearing an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. So you I can feel the aura. Eye oh, patch only club. Exactly. The hottest destination in Toronto. Well, I feel like Stefan from SNL. Oh. I feel like, I feel like that's the character we just did there. Yeah. Um, but beyond all this fictional club business, we actually got some real, some real news to tell yeah. you about. Yeah. So, guys, 
I am sweating just even thinking about saying this, but this is going to be my last show for a while. Yes. Work's just gotten too, too hectic. And unfortunately, LD is not going to be on the podcast for a bit now. And Oren's going to take over. I'm going to be super jealous listening every week, as I do, to him having fun and me working and grinding and my fingers falling off because I do hard labor. Oh, jeez. All right. Didn't know about that last bit. I'm moving to a place where I'm working in concrete. <laughs> um, as, uh, as sad as it is to Just see kidding. you go, I know that you're going for some pretty dope reasons and that you are working more on yourself and your craft and pushing your uh, your career forward. So I got nothing but love for you. I appreciate Thank you spending you. this uh, year and a bit with me. Yeah. And doing this and holding on the podcast while I went away and, and everything else. So. I got nothing, nothing but love in my heart for you. So I, uh, I cannot wait to see the things that you are doing. Oh, First, thanks, Warren. I should say this though: if you, if you start putting out some whack shit and I, and I ain't with it, yeah. I'm gonna be so angry that you left this podcast to do that. Okay, okay? just <laughs> okay. so we're very clear. I only want quality, quality. LDM stuff. Quality LD stuff. Yeah, exactly. I will only do that. <laughs> so let's get into uh, let's get into this because this is gonna be a last a fun last show. Mm-hmm. We got some uh, we got some real good stories and we'll start oh, off yeah. with um, ISO uh, some loving donations, yeah. which then turned into something else. Something else. This was one of the first posts that I researched um, for doing this show. Holy fuck! I had never seen so much drama on buns, and I'm shocked that the admins didn't step in. Because usually they're on it. Usually they're on top of their shit. But here it is, guys. Get ready. The drums of October 3rd. Hello, everyone. I'm looking for some loving donations. One of my very lovely classmates, that's lovely twice, but it's all right, um, who is an international student from India, is in need of some warm clothing and footwear for our upcoming winter. She flew here all by herself just over a month ago, her first time flying, and is having to adapt to the new country all on her own. She's uh, five foot two, seven and a half size uh, shoe, uh, 42 pant. She could really use some warm winter coats, some boots, sweaters, gloves, hats, anything. As well, anything that you think a 21-year-old girl might feel comfortable in. Please donate if you can. She's so sweet and bright and really happy to be here in Toronto. But she's uh, in a huge surprise for our Canadian winter. Please message if you can have, if you can help at all. And please share this. So this got quite a bit of love, like 40 likes for, um, for a post like this. And uh, just a funny anecdote about this. Um, one, it got a, so many comments. One lady tagged her mom and was like, mom, let's see what we can pull together. Her mom's name is Linda, classic Linda name. And she tagged the wrong fucking Linda. Hilarious. She fucking tagged. And then the lady comments, um, you tagged the wrong Linda. So Linda's all over the world are hearing about this. But this took a little bit of a interesting turn. So we won't name any names, but um, a woman uh, in response to this posts, does she know you've declared her as a charity case and asking people for clothing? So that is a fucking statement. Way to turn the dial, right? So one person came to her defense and was like, what is a comment like this? Is this any good? Like, for real? Like, what are you doing? So in response, she goes... It's very obvious an assumption has been made because she is, quote, from India, end quote. So then the original poster of this says, your negative assumptions is pathetic. I'm doing something nice for my classmate because I want to help her. Whether or not she knows um, or has no idea isn't a problem. 
nor does your comment help. I'm about to sneeze. Okay, it didn't happen. Um, if you <laughs> if you have nothing to say, don't say anything at all. And you, all capital, you made some random assumption. I mentioned she's from India because it's really far away and she's here on her own. Leave your personal hate issues at home. Jeez. Boom. We have the reply. Personal hate issues, question mark, LOL. Thank goodness for ignorant white people coming to save international students who most likely have more money than you. She needs a friend, not someone who's behaving like a charity case worker. Jeez. Jeez. That's, some, that's some heat. That is some that's heat. heat. I'm sweating up profusely. This is such an interesting case. It is. It is. Because on face value, you think, oh, she's doing something nice. But when you kind of think more about it, she really didn't answer the question that she was posing here, right? Like she, and the fact that she's getting defensive makes me think that, no, maybe she just offhand said it and is just doing this to help someone, but maybe for like, I just want to help. Oh. Sure. I mean, this is some tricky territory yeah. because it all depends on what this person from India knows about this person's doing. Yeah. Once again, I don't think someone's going to hop on, hopefully not to buns and, and grab a bunch of stuff. And it's like, here, um, I thought of you and I brought you all this stuff. It's like, okay, this is great, but I don't really need this. Like it, it, it's so much of this just depends on how much that person knows because yeah. there's nothing in this post that makes me think that this person does not have the best of intentions. Yeah. Heck, I want a friend like this. Yeah. But at the same time, just giving someone some free stuff may not always be the best things because like, it ultimately leads to back to what do you think of this person? Yeah. What do you think they know? How do you know they don't know this? Do they have money? Do they not have money? There's so much going on that we don't know. Exactly. A, I would never post a comment like that in the comments. Oh, no, me neither. Um, but maybe I might post something that is a bit more constructive or what it is. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I probably wouldn't even do that. Yeah. But this turned up the heat. Heat. on this it was some fire fire and then poor linda got dragged into it just by being wrongly tagged as a mom but you know that's linda's problem you know this kind of reminds me of it's gonna sound like crazy but um remember the sandy hook tragedy obviously with okay the kids got gunned down you're staring at me weird like <laughs> I get this. um one of the consequences from that is that people kept shipping in like teddy bears and like stuff that oh and a bunch no of stuff, right but they're gone so the kids are gone and now they're kind of left with a ton of stuffed animals, just a ton of them. There's a, a mountain of them. Yeah. And then now every time they look at this mound or any of these these city bears, yeah. it brings up these images of their of their kids. I assume that everyone that wanted to send those those parents, those grieving parents, those items was going to be like, oh, well, you know, this is for all the other kids, whatever it is. But it served as a, as a stark reminder that their kids weren't there anymore yeah and, and so what do you do when you give people something they do not want oh my god without, yeah. uh, without voicing what they want you know what i mean yeah. so it, uh, i feel like it's in that sort of territory of maybe giving something that wasn't really wanted yeah. or maybe it was wanted i don't know some of those parents probably loved all those kids. yeah and then yeah like it's just nuts like you don't know we just have no idea no idea no idea crazy beef crazy beef, crazy James. beef. Uh. um moving on to some to some some, na- some maple leaf news. Okay. Johnny posted, yo, I got a brand new branded maple leaf jersey of John Tavares. Do you know who John Tavares is? No, you said it really hyped up and I just don't. John Tavares is one of the best ever Canadian hockey players. Okay. Especially in the minor leagues. He um, he is a great player in the major leagues. 
He was going to sign with his team that he got drafted to, the New York Islanders, mm -hmm. but then came home to Toronto to play wow. for the Leafs. So the Leafs are going to be hyped this year. Wow. That is all I have to say about this. Go and Johnny. it's their first game tonight, no? Yeah. I do know a little bit. Still Leafs. I mean, everybody wearing a fucking Maple Leaf jersey at work really did tell me <laughs> that that was what it was. But it's okay. Ha -ha Speaking of it's okay, because this cat makes me feel okay. But will it? If she doesn't find a home, Oren? Tell me more. Angel is being sent to a shelter in one week unless the owner can find someone to take her. Please spread the word. DM for more information. This cat looks like the Royale Kitten Kittens. It does. It looks like one of those Percy White cats, but in the cutest of ways. Mm -hmm. Princess cat vibes. So she's 14 years old, super healthy, and a really nice cat. If anyone can help, sh they don't think she'll do really well in a shelter. Um, so if you have space for a cat, you know, if you have, like, items that you're like, you know what, I could take this cat in for a little bit. Just anything to get her not in the shelter because, you know, when you go from, like, living a life of, like, loved, like, being in a, excuse me, being in a home like that, and then the shock of going into a shelter and not getting the same attention that you would. I think it's going to be really hard. I do it's agree. Hard. I can't even imagine. My cat, he's 18. So, yikes. But wow. if he was in a shelter, oh my God. He would just fucking hate his life. He'd be depressed. Depressed cats. We don't like that. Definitely not. We don't like that. We don't like that. Um, moving on. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about Kratom. Kratom. I don't know how to pronounce this. K-R-A-T-O-M. Kratom. Uh, Jesse. Kratom. She says, hey, ISO, some red vein kratom or kratom. Just had surgery and I do not react well to pain meds, but looking for some relief. I have heard great things about red vein kratom for kratom. I don't want to say this word. Uh, so far, I've only been good. able to find it online and shipping times are very long, but I need it ASAP so I can get through work and nobody got something for me. So here's what we learn. First comment. Kratom can cause seizures, fainting, and dizziness. Be careful. Jesse, the original poster, writes back, so can narcotics, so this seems like a lesser to me of the risks. Cool. cool. Another comment. Bella, she says, yo, I got a friend, works at this spot, urban apothecary, would willow bark tincture. Willow bark what? Jeez. I, I know what a tincture is, but yeah, willow, willow bark. bark. Mm. Jesse's like, yo, maybe I've heard good things. Bella's like, yeah, I use it for my cramps. It is amazing. Nice. Crazy. Derek, he types in, CBD supplements yeah. are great for feeling wellness without the head high. OP responds, I already take CBD. I wish it helped. Derek, oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. Lastly, David, he says, yo, that red vein kratom, yeah. it works. I've had it. It works. It also left me unable to urinate for over 13 hours and I had Holy to get a catheter. It's like, what? Holy catheter? To pee? I hate that idea. Under David's comment, Chris says, have you tried mullein root or mullein root? It can help counteract the urine retention. Oh, this thing goes on for forever. Anyways, I got a master class Wait, in apothecary. A master class. I, I, it was taught by Oprah. I'm now <laughs> going to into this field wow. as, my main, as my main gig. Wow. Some crazy stuff. Herbs are wild. Herbs are wild. Herbs, I mean, I'm not talking about wild, wild herbs, but herbs are wild. But herbs are wild. Uh, they be wild. On the flip side, they're also wild. <laughs> they're also wild. Um, today is? Mean Girls Day. 
it is Mean Girls Day, and you found something very Mean Girls related. Yes, I did, and it brought back some ooh, memories. Um, so obviously it's Mean Girls Day, October third. What day is it? It's October third. Oh wait, should we edit up the date so we can timestamp this? Mm. Ah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Anyways, that was aggressive. Um, <laughs> sorry. <sighs> Woo. So Haley loves Mean Girls, and she has a very her very own burn book that she brought to school with her today. And yes, she also wore pink because this is one of those rare times when October third actually lands on a Wednesday, and on Wednesdays. We wear pink. Oh, so she left it, though, on a bus. She left her burn bug on the bus. So this freaks me out for one reason, because a burn book is a book specifically there to talk shit. And it's on the bus that she uses to typically go to school, the Humber North College campus uh, Kipling bus. Like, girl. If someone knows you that you have that burn book, they're going to take it and look through all your shit 1000% and see who you're talking shit about. Oh, my God. Like, that's that's something I this is my worst nightmare. But <laughs> also, I identify with this because in I'm going to just tell it or yeah, I'm just going to out do myself. It. Do it's it. It's my last fucking show. I'm going to tell you my darkest secret. So when I was in the fifth grade, I was super drama queen girl and me and my four friends were pretending to be the mean girls group and we had our own burn book and we wrote in it and we're like being ninnies and i just got so caught up in the theatrics and i didn't realize that we were actually fucking bullying this one girl that was so upset about this burn book situation and once i found out at my home i was i'll never forget this my whole life bawling my fucking eyes out hyperventilating knowing that this girl was she was afraid to come to school because of this burn bug. Isn't that horrible? And I can't even believe that that was a thing. So out of those four girls, I was the only one. And I fucking went to her house with my parents and sat on her couch and fucking like cried my soul out to this girl to forgive me. She ended up forgiving me. She, but ended, she God, ended up forgiving you? Yeah, she ended okay. up forgiving me. And after that time, she's like, it's okay. And I was like so nice to her after that and made sure she felt very comfortable <laughs> at school. But burn books slippery slope when you're younger you know for sure you don't really realize the effects that could have on somebody (laughs) (laughs) she was so afraid to go to school oh my god i can't believe i did that stupid children things hey but you're a better person now right yeah speaking of becoming a better person what if you were to break your foot and then have to get it cast so that you can become a better person again yep that's my segue into yeah it was uh, a good one yeah thanks it's the jacqueline's post she says, a broken ankle is a weird thing to be prepared for, but this boot was 150 bucks. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, those gray boots people wear when they break their ankle, essentially. Yeah. Those air casts. Oh, hot. Yeah. She has one of those, an air boot. Um, it's a small size for the right ankle. It comes with a pump. Just giving it away. She just wants to give this bad boy away. Turns out there are, there are some spots that you can uh, donate this thing to so other people can um, can get it. You can can't donate, get it. Yeah, you can donate it back to the hospital, believe it or not. Um, or you can donate it to um, to different uh, to different foot clinics. Oh. We'll take it and give it to people who may not have the money to pay for it because it's kind of hard to be prepared for a broken ankle. Yeah. OHIP covers that, but OHIP won't necessarily cover um, these uh, Das Boot. And, you know, they'd go in the landfill, I bet. I bet you that a lot of them end up there. I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that. Aw. <laughs> you... 
They're going to tell us about the most extra, extra post of all time. I read this and I mean, you know, you feel for her, but at the same time, you're like, what? Or we don't even know if it's a he, she, them, they. We don't know anything about this person Correct. because this is a friend posting for a fellow bun. Now, thinking about it, isn't that that classic thing where it's like, da, 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 da. oh, I'm just asking for a friend. It's just a, I'm just asking for a friend. So it was very well. It could be her in disguise now that I'm thinking about <laughs> But the most extra post of 2018. <clears throat> Buns of long gone days. After a hiatus from reality, I have returned to my former life. As I adjust to my new yet seemingly forgotten past, my eyes were transfixed on a photo of me and my ex during happier times. My ex has been forbidden to so much as talk to me now, and I've been in solitude since my return. Although the photo has been removed, this frame deserves a life of full purpose to capture a special moment that will be treasured for times to come. Don't let this frame lead an unfulfilled existence in a trash heap. ISO, a token to get around, a Twix. Sorry, the Twix part really gets me. A Snapple to, to seal my woes as I drown my sorrow. A postage stamp to mail a letter to my friend in Japan. Or just good karma. Spadina in college. <sighs> Yo. Yo, first off, first off, uh, this frame is trash. It's yo, a trash yo, frame. Yeah, this, frame is, this frame is so trash. Yeah, and it's a bad one. It's like, what the fuck? This is not good. It's one of those weird, like, standing ones, like, like are on a stand that stand up. You're like, what the fuck? It looks God. stupid. It's what a stupid frame. <laughs> what a stupid frame. Okay, second point is, this is about to be a bit more serious. No. I think that. I think that there should be some sort of education or counseling for people who go through breakups, maybe in the early part of their lives. Yeah. I think you should get some education on how to deal with those things healthy-wise. Yeah. Uh, so that even if you are crazy invested into someone, you don't end up doing something reckless. Like yeah. Writing, like writing a trash-ass <laughs> post. To be fair, the first part of that was serious. The second part was joking. Yeah. Um, that that's that I think that's I think that's so key. I know. I think that's so key. Add it to the sex education curriculum, guys. Something. Well, that's not getting changed for a while, yeah. Oh. Yeah. All, all that I'm saying is all that I'm saying is trash. Trash. This is trash. the most extra. The pose. most extra. And without without dragging you too much. Yep. I hope you hope you feel better and I hope, yeah. I hope you get over this thing. Oh man! Um, and throw out that frame. It is. It cannot be worth that much. Yeah. Think about the satisfaction you'll get just from dumping that down the dumpster. Oh my god! I love my favorite, favorite, favorite part about this is that her ISO is a Twix. <laughs> That's my okay fucking yo, but, favorite. But Twix for real is hype. I haven't had a Twix in fucking yeah 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 yeah. So. Yo, Twix, Twix is a top 10 chocolate bar. For really? Sure. For sure. Me and my keto lifestyle can't uh, accommodate okay, to that Okay, Nia's not talking about that, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> is Twix in your top 10? Chocolate bar? Yeah. No. But it should be. You know, okay, wait. Is Twix the one where it's kind of like a biscuit in caramel and then in chocolate? You don't know what Twix? Of course that's of course that's Twix. <laughs> yes, that's the one with the with the biscuit. Yeah. And the chocolate cover and the caramel. And the caramel. Okay, I take it back. Twixes are fucking delicious. Hype. 
Hi. I haven't had a chocolate bar in I don't even I don't even want to tell you how long. What's that? What's that? I haven't What's had that? chocolate bar. I've only been eating dark chocolate almond butter in very small, small quantities. <laughs> um talking about small quantities and chocolate bars. If you had a ton of them and you wanted to keep them from melting in the sun, mm-hmm. where would you put them? In, in a cooler? In a cooler. Guess what we got? What? It's return of our favorite segment. Ah! It's that song. I'm a dad, and, and this is my last time getting anything. I'm a dad, and I'm going away. I finally met a nice girl in Kentucky online, and now I'm going Um, as you heard earlier, <laughs> cooler. It's a cooler. This dad zone is featuring a bomb ass cooler. cooler. Takes about two cubic feet. Oh Looks my like God. it's well made. Whoa. Looks like it's from at least the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Whoa. Clean inside. Been recently recleaned. Um, Tell me the brand. <laughs> Tell me. It's not Coleman. Oh. It's that rubber made. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this has been Dad's own. I'm a dad and I'll send you a postcard, maybe. If I figure out how to use the damn postage system. Okay, it's been the same postage system since we've (laughs) all been alive. Oh, my God, that was a loud snort. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Nothing is more embarrassing than a loud snort or admitting that you have a lot of a certain last thing no. to encapsulate. Uh, Do you want me to take it from yeah, here? Just take it from here. <laughs> yeah, take it from here. Every pickler's wet dream. A hundred mason jars. Jeez. Okay. So, now, I don't know if you're a fellow pickler, Orange. <laughs> you know I'm not a fellow pickler. <laughs> you knew the answer to that. You know for a fact that I say, oh, wait a minute. So, I love pickles. Pickling is like my shit and I hoard jars. But how often do you come across like really good jars that like don't get thrown in the recycling? Like by the time you fucking wash them out, you're like, I don't even want to see you anymore. Like it's such a hassle. You feel that? No, you don't pickle. You don't understand. He doesn't pickle. So Kevin is giving away a hundred mason jars of assorted sizes and all he wants is a pack of beer. So I don't know uh, if you're a pickler like me. Or, as Oren said before, you're having an outdoor wedding. Yo, if you're, how, this is, yeah. <laughs> Number one use of mason jars is pickling. Number two use, outdoor weddings. <laughs> <laughs> pickling at an outdoor wedding. That's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I've uh, made that my choice. Um, when I get married, uh, it's going to be a pickling outdoor wedding party. So please get ready, Oren. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely get ready. And I'll be there sitting on this next item, which happens to be... A church pew. A pew. Sabrina posted this. Whoa, Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina posted this. It's just a straight up church pew. It's not not a full pew. It's like a it's like those little mini pews that the people at the top oh, of the church. Oh, a half pew? Yes, yeah, even less than a half pew. It's maybe a quarter pew. Oh, trash um, it. Yeah, I'd say it's maybe, looks like it's about a meter and a half across. Hmm. Yeah, it's a solid pew. How, um, how, what's the height? Uh, it looks like it's about a, a, about a meter, meter tall. Cool. Width? Yeah. Um, jeez. <laughs> if I had to talk about depth, I guess. Depth. Um, just a really solid church pew. I mean, 
Um, it says here right on the post that it's that it's not haunted, which makes me immediately think. That oh my god! It is haunted. That's haunted a hundred percent. It does not say that, but as we know, the most recent stat we could find is sixty-five percent of church pews are haunted. Are haunted yeah. mostly by disciples of Jebus. Yeah. Um, Jebus. Jebus. And uh, if you want Jesus coming home with you, uh, don't take one of those pews. Do not. Do not. Um, something that we think every adult should need is a pew. Uh, sure. Of course. Um, especially if they're renovating a barn mm-hmm. and they want to host events in said barn. Right. The second half to this is every adult needs to have their very own Dyson hairdryer. Whoa. And that's what Charlotte has posted. And here's why you need one. Because everyone who has one of these things yeah. never shuts up about them. Really? Yeah. I'm curious why this is even up. Um, this person that says it's like once you get one, you do not let go of your Dyson hair dryer. You do not because they don't go on sale. That's the thing; they don't go on oh. sale. Um, and it's expensive. She's looking for gift cards. Uh. Um, but people who have these these dryers are if they all. I mean, Dyson we know is just a great manipulator of air. Yeah. Right? Oh, vacuums. Any air. Those hair. Those. Ha- Air, those hand dryers you have in bathrooms that you didn't oh. know how to use for a while until then you learned how to use them. Yeah. The two the two ones. The one that you put your hands in, the ones yeah. that looks like a V. Yeah. Well, those oh, ones. my God. So confusing. I mean, those hot air fans or the cold air fans. Genius. Those are both great. And now we have these, right? We have we have these uh, hair dryers. They're all great. I mean, I need to get one. Dyson is the Tesla of air. Facts. 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 Right? So many facts. Listen, it's going to be sad to see you go. I know. What the heck, skis? Yeah, but you will be back to guest host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or ghost host. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the pews. Orin, you shouldn't have brought the pews. I'm definitely going to miss you. I'm sure our audience is going to miss you as well. Um, I'm sending some thank yous. Um, thank you all for tuning in, listening to us ramble and talk about bullshit all day. Yeah. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great listen, guys. Keep on bunzing. Keep on making the community amazing and wonderful. Um, I'm just going to do a plug because why the fuck not? Do it's it. my last one. If you want to follow me on social, see what I'm doing. It's at LDM Comedy. And that's all I got for you. If you want to see me, that's the only way. This is literal only way. I don't have a phone number. Don't have an email. Don't even live anywhere. I just have an Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Um, For the last time, I am Oren. And I'm Oren. Fuck! I'm Laura. I'm Laura! (laughs) And, And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.